If you're turning with me, we're going to be in Matthew 25. So I was really planning on preaching something different today. Um, and maybe I will in the next couple of weeks because I've really been trying to preach about wisdom. I put in a little bit about it last week and then I was going to be in Ecclesiastes this week. I kept thinking something's been brewing, but again it changed and I'm kind of back on the same track I've been on for the last couple of weeks where I guess it started when, when we talked about seizing the day or the moment. And then we talked about um, stewardship. And so today, I want to talk to you about investing. I want you to start out just this morning as we talk for a few minutes, just start thinking in your mind about the things that you invest in. Because you invest in things. If you don't invest in things, then there's a problem. But like, if you have any relationship that you don't invest in, it's probably not a very good relationship. I mean, if you're married and, and you don't invest in your marriage, then it's not a very good marriage. In fact, it's going to get worse and worse as time goes on. If you, you can think about it across the board. If you're a part of this church and you don't invest... You don't give your money, your time, your talents, your tr like you're you're not invested. So start thinking about the things in your life that you invest in. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about investing. What are you investing in? Last week we talked about stewardship. And if you are being a good steward, of your time, your talents, your treasures. If you're being a good steward, then you are investing. There's no way to be a good steward of your time, talents, and treasures and not be investing in something. Um, Pastor Bruce said uh, before that declaration is fine as long as it leads to investing. See, it's great to declare a thing. It's good to say what I'm going to do, what God told me to do, how I'm going to be a great husband and a great father. It's good for me to declare those things. But then if I never invest and actually do it, my words are empty and hollow. It means nothing. A lot of times we talk and say but then we don't do. What good is it if you don't do? Don't just talk. Walk. So in Matthew 25, Jesus is talking. and We're going to look at this parable that Jesus gives about investing. And uh, I'm going to start in 14. It says, watch. Watch, therefore... For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Son of Man, it's Jesus. So watch. That word is a Greek word that was translated watch. And we see that Greek word appear in the New Testament 23 times. 23 times that word is used. Watch. And it is to look for. To watch or to look, to see. 
So what is Jesus saying right here? Watch therefore, look, see. For you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He's saying every day, every hour, look for Jesus. Watch, see, train yourself to look for him. In every hour, in every day, in every minute, watch, look. Look for him. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Goods, that's wealth, property, possessions. Delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents. To another two. And to another one. To every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. So Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a man that's going on a long trip and he calls his servants together and he gave one servant five talents, one servant two talents, one servant one talent. God doesn't judge you or me according to what he gave someone else. God doesn't judge you according to the responsibilities he gave me. And I think a lot of times we get that wrong. We like look at other people and look at the talents that they have or the influence that they have or the money that they have or the whatever. And we want to compare. We're that trap of comparison. But we'll see when we read some more of the story that each one of these servants was judged on what they did with what they had. Were they good stewards over what they had? Because we've all been given different things. We all have different giftings. We all have different talents. We all have different amounts of money. We all have different... None of us are the same. And you're not judged on what I have. You're judged on what you have. Or as it said in the verse we just read, according to their ability. Last week we saw that Jesus said, He who is faithful in a little will be made steward over much. So what are you doing with what you have? I don't have a microphone in my hand. Maybe this season you've been trusted with a mop. What are you doing with that? Well, nobody's helping me. I'm here serving and working my butt off and nobody's helping me. Oh, maybe God's seeing if you'll be faithful without help. They say hard work beats talent. Yeah, unless talent works hard. God doesn't give the goods based on who he likes more. God doesn't give me a whole bunch of goods because I'm his favorite. Because he still likes all y'all too. Sorry. 
I used to read that, that parable and I used to think, man, that stinks. He must have really liked that one servant because he gave him five. And then he called the other little servant, you know, the other one got two. Like, I like him pretty good. And then that other one, he must have just been like, I don't like that dude. Like God had favorites and God gives more to certain people than others. And God gives more blessings to other people and more like that kind of mindset. But God doesn't give the goods based on who he likes more. See, that's not true. That's a wrong way of thinking about God. It says in the verse we just read, according to his ability. God gave them the talents according to their ability. What they could handle. According to your ability, God gives you what you can handle. And if you're faithful with a little bit, then he gives you much. So it's not about you being the favorite so you get five talents. No. God gives you what you can handle, where you are in life, mentally and physically, and God gives you what you can handle, then if you're faithful with that and you walk in obedience, then you can handle more. If the dude with the one, we read on in the story, I keep getting ahead of the story, but we read on like if you were faithful in what he left you with, then he gives you more. He gives you more. It's according to his ability. According to your ability. Have you been faithful with what you have? Your ability is up to you, not God. It's easy to just put that off on God. Well, God didn't give me that. But your ability is up to you. You know, I can't bench 500 pounds. 500 pounds. No, that's probably surprising to y'all. I cannot bench 500 pounds. I have the ability, but I haven't been faithful to invest in that area. It would take a lot of investing, a whole lot of bench time, and get them weights heavier and heavier and heavier. But I could. I have a big enough frame. I'm healthy enough. I'm, I was about to say young, but I'm not even that young anymore. But. It could be possible if I devoted enough time and effort into investing into that area of the bench press, just using a natural thing to get the point across, the ability. So it's so important what we invest in on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, every moment. You can invest thoughts Strength, money, time, encouragement. God gives talents according to your ability. We ask God to bless things that we aren't willing to work on or invest in. And I think God's like, <laughs> okay. Why don't you work on that or invest in that? God, please save my marriage. It's falling apart. But if we're not willing to work on it and invest in that area, then it doesn't work. Okay, so the rest of the story. Um, I already kind of jumped ahead and told you a lot of it. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. He doubled it. 
made it into ten. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth, and he hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. He came back to see what they had done with what he gave them. And so that he that had received five talents came and he brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord, the strength of the Lord. Enter into my strength. Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy or the strength of the Lord. Then he had which, which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not sown. And I was afraid. Oh, he was afraid to invest. Afraid to put himself out there. Afraid to take a risk. Afraid to step out in faith. Any areas of your life where you've just been afraid so you didn't act. You didn't step. You didn't walk. You didn't, like we talked about last week, risk the ocean. You were afraid to invest to sow so you just ate the seed instead of planting it and I was afraid and I went and hid that talent I'm not sure who said it originally because I've heard a lot of people quote it but they say the, the graveyard is the richest place on earth there's so many talents and dreams and books and movies and ideas and stuff is buried there it was never realized that people were too afraid they took the talent that God gave them and they just buried it because they were afraid to ever act on it they just fell in line and joined the rat race and never realized the power and the strength that God put inside of them because of fear he went and buried his one talent buried it in the earth because he was afraid Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. So God, here's what you gave me. Here's his back. Now you have what's yours. Here, I, I did what I should. I did the bare minimum. Do I get a cookie? I took care of what was mine. That's not what God's looking for. Hey, Bro, what'd you do with your life? Took care of me and mine. Wonderful. Who else did you help? 
What else did you do? How big of a life did you live? Did, was that it? You just, here's what was mine. I took care of what was mine. But I gave you purpose. I gave you strength and power. I gave you the power of my son. God, why did you never give me your power? Because you never needed it. You never did anything that required that much power. You could do it all on your own. Here, here, this is what you gave me here. I buried it in the ground. Here is it. It's back. He was afraid. Now, I've heard some preachers say that faith is the absence of fear. I heard a preacher say that last week. And I disagree. I think that's wrong. You know, the more I thought about that, I think faith and fear are married. I'm pretty sure they sleep in the same bed. Because every time I've ever had faith, I've had fear. And every time I've ever stepped out on faith, fear was there. I had to make a decision not to be led by the fear. Not to be motivated by the fear, but to step out in the faith and trust. That's all faith is, is trust. So for me to trust God, fear is always there because if fear wasn't there, then it wouldn't be faith. If there was no fear, then how would that be faith? It wouldn't take trust. It wouldn't take faith if there was no fear. So faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is making the decision to be led by God, not fear. The decision to believe in something bigger than fear. But fear is there. It is for me anyways. I've never had faith without fear. Because then it wouldn't be faith. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. We don't use that word slothful enough. It's a good one. Thou wicked and slothful servant. I guess that means he's slow. Like a sloth. I didn't look that word up. I'm not sure if that's what it means. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Lazy. Not so it kind of does mean slow, like a sloth. <laughs> Lazy. Thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. You could have at least put it in the bank and it would have drawn some interest or something. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. Hmm. He wasn't faithful with what he had. So take it from him and give it to them. The ones that were faithful. For unto everyone that hath shall be given. And he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away. 
even that which he hath. We all want to be a success. But since when did success become how many dollars you have in the bank or how famous you are? Like how many people know your name? That's the measure of success? Is fame or money or even stuff? That's not success. What is real success in God's eyes? It's obedience. My success isn't dependent on you. It's what I did with what I had. My legacy will be what I gave, not what I hoarded. My legacy will be the people that I helped and the lives that I changed and the people that I was a part of setting free. That will be my legacy, not the things that I buried. My legacy will be what I gave. Those of you that invest in this church, those of you that give your time and your money, and think, you know, it's pretty cool that you get credit for everything we do. When you choose to invest, last, last Monday, me and Alex and Dylan went to Blake House. We went and ministered to those guys for two hours. We had a powerful service, a worship service, and called one of them came up on the stage and played drums with us, and we played music, and we had this powerful worship service. And then I preached to them and brought them a word that I've had time to sit and study and pray and ask God, what is it that you want to say to these guys specifically? And I brought a word, and like there were tears all over the room, and this isn't an unusual thing. It happens when we go up there. They're... They're hungry and they draw it out. But as I was thinking and, and reading this, I was thinking about stuff like that. Like going to Blake House. And you know, like most of you besides Alex and Dylan, y'all weren't sitting in the room at Blake House that morning. You were working your jobs and you were at school and you were doing different things. But those of you that invest in this church and in this house and those of you that are a part of investing in me, as a pastor, and those of you that, that put money in the offering, that's what pays my salary. That gave me time to study that message and be off Monday so that I was up there ministering to men whose lives could be changed forever. Who may walk in freedom. You get credit for what you did with those talents. So when you take your talents, your money, your time, the things that God gives you, and you choose to invest it, you get credit for the fruit. Everything that, that we do. Pastor Bruce said, and this really helps me, he told this to me, probably a few years ago and it's really helped me out but he told me in the kingdom success isn't measured by wins and losses it's measured by obedience period 
because it's easy to get caught up in the wins and losses and the things that you're trying to do for God. And, and when we look from the outside, maybe, oh my gosh, these people quit the church or the offering was too low to do what we wanted to do or we tried to start this ministry, but it wasn't on our timeline. Or If you get caught up in the wins and losses, it's like a roller coaster ride. Success in the kingdom of God is not measured by wins and losses. It's simply measured by obedience. And if I know that I'm listening to the voice of my Father and that I'm obeying and I'm walking in the direction that He has me walking in, even if I look around and I'm in a valley of dry bones, even if the shadow of death is all over me, it's okay. I'm not afraid. I'm a success. Success starts with sucks. Sometimes it's hard at the beginning. Success. Obedience. That's real success. Jay Williams uh, was an NBA player who played for the Bulls back like 100 years ago when... uh, Kobe and Shaq were both on the Lakers. I don't know how. It was probably 15 or 20 years ago. Um, But Jay Williams, he played for the Bulls, and they were going to play the Lakers. Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal both played for the Lakers at that time, so he knew it was going to be a rough game. So the game was scheduled for 7 p.m. that night. Jay decided that he was going to go to the gym at 3 p.m. And he made a goal in his head. I'm going to get myself ready. I'm going to get right for this game. So I'm going to go at 3 p.m. And I'm going to shoot until I make 400 shots. He figured he could get that done in roughly an hour and a half. But he was going to dribble and shoot until he made 400 shots. And that he was going to get right and ready for this game. And so... Jay tells the story that he showed up at the gym at 3 o'clock and figured he was going to get some music on and nobody else was going to be in there. He goes in and he walked in and he heard a ball bouncing. What, somebody else is here? He looked down the court and in the shadows, the lights weren't even on. He sees Kobe Bryant pouring sweat. Nobody knows how long he's been there by himself. And he said he wasn't just shooting or staying loose. He was sprinting back and forth, doing layups, shooting three-pointers, running back and forth to the line like an intense practice as if a coach was standing there screaming at him. And Jay's like, my God. Oh, maybe he's about done. He's probably been here for a while. So he stayed on this end of the court and started doing what he had planned in his mind. He made the 400 shots. Every once in a while, he'd look over his shoulder Kobe was still going hard. An hour and a half went by. He made his 400 shots. He's ready to go take a shower and chill out and get ready for the game, make sure he's hydrated. And he looks down there and Kobe's still going just as hard as he was when he got there. Jay left. Went and took a shower. That night they got whooped. Kobe dropped 40 points on Jay. 
And after the game, when, when they were all shaking hands and they're over there talking, <clears throat> Jay asked him, you're probably the most talented man in the NBA, arguably. You're maybe the best. You have more talent than anybody I know. Why were you here all afternoon practicing so hard? How, why were you pushing so hard? Kobe said, I wanted you to know when I saw you walk in, I wanted you to know that you can't outwork me and that I will not rely on my talent. I'm going to work for it. He said, so what if I would have stayed two hours? Kobe said, I would have stayed two and a half. He said, what if I stayed till game time? He said, I'd have stayed till game time too. And I'd have beat you in the game. You can't outwork me. Talent's not enough. God gives each one of us talent. Every person sitting in this room has talent. Just the fact that you have talent isn't enough for you to walk in purpose. You must invest. You got to work. You want to be a part of something bigger than you? It's going to take some work. You're going to have to invest. You can't outwork me. I don't rely on my talent. I won't rely on my past. So you've had a big victory in the past. Good. Remember it. Use it. Don't let that be it. Don't rely on the past. So if you want to obey God, you want to be a success, you want to obey, you want to be big, you want to invest in the right things, you need to hear God's voice. You must be motivated and moved to action by listening to God. One time I got lost in the woods and like it was getting dark and I remember the sense of panic and fear, like running, sweating, knowing I'm about to be lost in the woods. And then you know how your mind starts playing tricks on you and all of a sudden, like there's a massive pack of coyotes howling and they sound like they're five feet from you. And the more you run, it's like you're running into the coyotes and like just panic. Now I remember thinking, like, you can't tell where you're going. I was a little kid, and I was in the woods back here somewhere. I think uh, there were some people with me, but we got kind of split up in the fear. I think that was the time Daniel fell, and, like, a, a stick chopped a mole off of him. It was that same night. I was scared. Weird, I know. Ask him about it. <laughs> um... But I remember thinking, if I could just had a way to get up higher than these trees so I could see which way to go, it wouldn't be a big deal. I just don't know which way the house is. And everywhere I go, I run back and forth. If I could just get up higher, it would make things so much easier and it would take the fear away. Well, God's higher. 
than any trees that are in front of you or any darkness or coyotes or anything that's in your way. And a lot of times we don't know how to get where we're trying to go and we panic. We're in fear and we're running and we're terrified and we're scared. And and really, if we could just hear God's voice, He's higher than the trees. He's in the future. He was in the past. He's right now and He sees what way we need to go. Remember, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So if we can learn to tap into the voice of God, he's always speaking. We're just not hearing. So if we could hear him, we'd know which way to go. We'd know what to invest in. That's why we listen to him. Because he's higher. Have you ever talked to a... I call them close talkers. People that like to get all up in your space when they're trying to talk to you. Some of y'all do it, so I'm not going to make eye contact with anybody, but... Some of y'all like to do it after church out here in the foyer. And if you notice, like, here's a sign. If I keep taking steps backwards while you're talking to me, like, you're getting up in my space. Like, I don't need to breathe your breath. I can hear you from, like, here. I call them close talkers. They like to get all up in your face, like, and keep moving back. Come on. Close talkers. What about a soft talker? Somebody that talks real quiet. What? Excuse me? I'm told by my family, especially Jesse, that I'm partially going deaf or something. That I can't hear too good. But either way, like it's so aggravating to me when somebody's talking and I can't hear them. What? Are you talking to me? What'd you say? Did you say something? Like, we'll have a big a family gathering down at Tyler and Favors, and my family is loud. I kind of annoyingly loud sometimes. And there's certain people in the family that I would consider soft talkers that may be there. And you could go the whole entire gathering and never hear them say a word. Actually, I can only think of two. Benny and Riley. No. <laughs> Everybody else seems to be pretty loud. (laughs) You could go a whole gathering and never hear them say anything if you don't get close. Make a decision to listen to what the soft talker has to say. You're not going to hear them from across the room. You're not going to hear them if you're not in relationship enough to get close and, and care about what they have to say. They won't say it. Benny comes to warrior training some mornings and he may not say anything because everybody else is just talking away. He's not going to scream and yell and force it. But a lot of times the soft talkers are the ones you really want to hear. And we know that scripture tells us that the voice of God is a still small voice. God is a soft talker a close talker. Why? Because he wants us to have to get close to hear him. 
He wants us to focus and quiet down the distractions and, and make every hey, y'all be quiet. Riley has something she wants to say. When you're in a room, quiet, bunch of loud screaming people, the soft talker doesn't get heard unless you quiet the noise. Listen. I'm convinced that's why God chooses to speak in a still, small voice. That's how he talks. First Kings 19. Let me read it to you real quick. I didn't give this one to Selah. It's okay. It's just two verses. Um, but First King 19, um, Elisha. He's in a cave and he's wondering if he's still hearing from God. And you know he was a very emotional individual. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong rent wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So what does that tell us? Before he learned to listen to God, he was listening to earth, wind, and fire. <laughs> wah, wah. A still, small voice. It's how God speaks, so you'll get close. So you'll pay attention. You've got to learn to focus. Um, so two years ago, when I did Brawl for a Cause, the first year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, the stadium is huge. And I got there like way before the crowds, way before everybody, we were supposed to get there early. And I came down through the stadium, down onto the field and was almost across the field and one of the staff or whoever from all the way over on the other end of the stadium up the stairs where they were letting us in said, hey, are you a fighter? And I said back all the way across that stadium, yes. He said, you need to go in that room over there. And he gave me instructions. And I obeyed his instructions. I heard his voice. And I obeyed. Fast forward several hours later in that night. Put about 1,500 people in there screaming. Some speakers going with some loud rap music and lights going off. And so many distractions. I had Dom and Joe screaming instructions. I'm talking about in the middle of the rounds, in my face, screaming instructions. And I couldn't even hear them. With the headgear on and the loud music and the people screaming and people hollering my name and people like, I couldn't even hear the instructions that I needed to hear. I was in the same room, in the same building, 
needing to hear some instructions, but there were so many distractions that where before I could hear from across the room, I could clearly hear instructions. I couldn't even hear it. That's how our lives are sometimes. We allow so many distractions that we can't hear. We can't focus. We don't hear God's voice. We don't hear the things we need to hear because there's just, we've allowed so much. We've allowed headgear to come over our ears and block our hearing. So many distractions. And there people say, well, pastor, I've, I've tried everything, and I can't hear from God. Well, I've tried it all, and I can't hear God. He won't speak to me. Oh, really? How long have you been fasting? Well, you said you've tried everything, so I was just wondering, like, how long have you been fasting? Let me get a list of the distractions that you've laid down. You've said you've tried everything, so... Have you? Or you've tried everything that was comfortable. You've tried everything that you were willing to try. I guarantee you if you tried everything, you've heard him. Loud and clear. Because he's speaking. He's not hiding. He wants you to hear his voice. He's your dad. He wants the best for you. He has plans for you. So number one, you got to make his voice a priority. It's got to be the number one priority on your list. The distractions aren't bad. It's not bad to be in the world, to be connected. That's okay. But his voice has to be priority. You'll know his word is in book form. His word. I don't know how to hear God's voice. We have a, a book here. And it's got his word. That's his voice. And it can come alive. If we take the time to look. Remember that first verse we read? Look. Look for him. Seek him. Read it. And when you read it, look. You can hear son of man. Look for Jesus. Look for him. That's one way you can hear his voice. You know, if somebody calls you on the phone, well, now we all have caller ID on our cell phones, but say you had a home phone or you didn't have caller ID on your cell phone. Maybe your screen was just busted and messed up. And somebody calls you and it's somebody that you know, you don't have to ask, who is this? I could get on the phone with my mom or Jesse or one of my boys and you don't say, hey, this is Jesse. What are you doing? She says, hey, I know it's Jesse. I don't ask, who is this? Because her voice is a priority. I've listened to it for a long time. 
I've tuned into that frequency. And there have been times I've tuned out to that frequency, but it's a different message. Because I've made her voice a priority, I know who it is. Have you ever called somebody and someone else answers their phone? It throws you off. I'll be like, what? Did I dial the wrong number? Hello? Hey, uh, um, who is this? Why, why do you have Malachi's phone? Even if it's somebody I know, just the fact that I was calling somebody else and a different one, then you're asking, well, who is this? But if it's a voice that you know and somebody that you've made a priority, even if they sound funny, even if they're sick or got a cold, you still know it's them. Isn't that weird? Like if I call Rebecca and RJ answers the phone, I'm going to be like, wait, who is, it? What, who is this? Did I dial the wrong number? Oh, hey, RJ. But if I call Rebecca and she answers the phone and she says, <coughs> oh, oh. I'm going to say, oh, what's wrong with you? You sick? You sound horrible. This may or may not have happened. But I can still recognize her voice. Even if it doesn't sound normal. Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word. God's word. The Bible. But the living word. His word that speaks life to our hearts. So, let me ask you this. If God speaks to you, would you know it's Him? Or would it be like one of these phone calls I'm talking about? If God were to speak to you tomorrow morning and say, Hey, this is what I need you to do today. I know it's going to change up your plans, but would you even know it was Him? Have you made His Word, His voice a priority? Or would it just be, What? That was weird. Why was I thinking of that? Who is this? Who, who are you? Who, who's talking to me? Wrong number. Click. Would you know it was him? I think it's crazy how a parent knows their kid's voice. You know, like we can all be sitting in here on a Wednesday night fellowship dinner and we're sitting there and there might be six or eight kids in the nursery or in another room screaming bloody murder. Nobody cares. <laughs> but I guarantee you one thing. If Azalea screams bloody murder, Rebecca cares. She picks it out in the noise. Why? Because Azalea's voice has been priority to her. Because she knows that voice. She even knows when it's a real cry and a fake cry. She can pick out that voice where other people don't know. It's just a bunch of noise.
but you can train yourself to focus in on a frequency. See, that's what I'm saying we can do with God. To where out of the noise and out of the thousands of voices, you are tuned in to that frequency of that one because it matters to you. Because you've spent time daily investing and getting close and listening and training yourself that this is a priority. This voice is a priority. If I lose everything else, I must, I must hear this voice. How do I do it? You start by reading the Word. Yeah, but that, the Bible, I've tried reading the Bible and it doesn't make sense. And it was written millions, thousands of years ago by all these old dudes and half of it's wrong and there's contradictions and it, it just doesn't make sense. I don't see how you read it every week and come up with a relevant message. I've heard that. The Bible doesn't make sense to me, so I don't read it. Have you ever been talking to a little kid and had no idea what they said? This happened to me a couple weeks ago with Miles in the foyer. He said this whole like two or three sentences. And I was like, was that English? Like I really thought it wasn't even real words. And Favor was standing there. And I like, you know how you do. I'm sure it's happened to probably everybody in this room. You look at the parent. Oh, he said he likes so-and-so TV show and he got to eat apples and peanut butter today and blah, blah, blah. And, and favor translated. I'm sitting there thinking, my God, how did you know what he said? That wasn't even real English. That wasn't even real words. He didn't pronounce the words right. They were slurred together. They were he, like, it was... Oh, but his parent knew what he was saying she knew exactly what he was saying 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1 with promises like this to pull us on dear friends let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us. Man, let's get rid of the voices. Everything inside us and outside of us that distracts us. Everything inside us or outside us that defiles us. Let's get rid of the distractions. So make his voice a priority. Get rid of the noise. The competing sounds. In John... Uh, in John 10, 3, and we're done. We'll wrap it up. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, 
He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. They'll run away from a stranger. For they know not the voice of strangers. Oh, yesterday, one of my little pigs got out. And I heard that my mom was down there and my neighbor Mindy and who else? RJ. RJ went down there and then I don't know if Sky came down there to help, did he? Or he was just telling. Oh, Titus came out there and they're all chasing the pig around, trying to catch it and stuff. Well, before I was able to go down there and fix the fence, the pig got out again. So when I went down there to fix the fence, the pig was out across the street over there. And they all chased it around and had this big deal and they were throwing in food out of a bucket that Journey had brought down there from Highland and they were trying to get the pig back in and stuff and it was a big ordeal. When I walked down there, because I've spent a lot of time in that pig pen with those pigs, building them barns and a little farrowing pen for the one to have babies in, so I've been in there with the pigs a lot for hours. I walked down to that gate yesterday same pig was out running around over there across the street. And I walked over by the gate and I said, here pig, 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 pig. <laughs> he started squealing like that and ran across, right through the ditch, across the road and ran right up to me and started biting my pants. Want me to give him some food, biting and pulling on my pants like this. And I opened up the gate, kept the other ones from getting out opened up the gate and that thing ran right back in the fence didn't have to touch him didn't have any food on me nothing my pigs hear my voice and they will not follow the voice of a stranger like my mom or RJ <laughs> that's what Jesus was saying right here is if you will train yourself to hear the voice of God you won't follow the strange voices, the voice of a stranger. What he was talking about there is um, the sheep gate, those verses that we just read is because back then shepherding was a huge thing. And so you may have hundreds of sheep in your flock or herd. Is it a herd or a flock? Herd. You may have hundreds of sheep and you may cross paths with another shepherd. You may be crossing the road at the same time as them and all your sheep would just intermingle and mix as you cross. And it was no big deal because the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd and the shepherd would just head off the way he was headed and he would call his sheep and his sheep would come. They wouldn't follow the voice of a stranger. Why? Because they had spent time with the shepherd. Because they trusted the shepherd. Because when the wolf came, the shepherd stepped up and saved them. Because it was their shepherd. It's supposed to be that same relationship with us and God. We hear his voice because we spent time with him, because we're close, because we're listening, because we've made it a priority, because that frequency we've trained ourselves to hear, and not only hear, but obey. To follow without question, to follow without fear, to obey with faith if we don't we hear that voice 
if we don't know his voice, we follow the strangers. And you can spend your whole life following strangers, following strange shepherds and strange voices and We'll follow the strangers, a strange voice. You must learn to dial in. You know, if we leave Sky at home, like if we need to go somewhere or I'm running up to the church or something and Sky's staying at home and his brothers aren't around and he's at home alone, we tell him every time, lock the doors. We're locking the house. Do not go outside and don't answer a stranger. Don't open the door for a stranger because we know there are dangers outside and he could get hurt and he could get led astray or he could get, like, we tell him, do not open the door for a stranger. If your dad comes to the door and says, Sky, it's me, you hear my voice and you open the door. But don't open the door for a stranger. So, I mean, what if one of you come up and beat on the door and say, Sky, it's your dad. He's going to be sitting in there, probably playing Madden. That's not my dad. Keep playing Madden. Sky, open this door now or I'm going to ground you. That's not my dad. I'm not opening the door. The problem is, here's what we do in life. God says, just don't follow the strange voices. They're going to mess you up. They're going to get you off track. They're going to distract you. And we hear, Dusty, it's me, your dad. And I say, hmm, that doesn't sound like my dad, but maybe it's my dad. And we open the door. And we get ourselves in trouble because we're following the voice of a stranger. Maybe that's my dad. Girl, you know I love you. Maybe that's my dad. You fill in what is the voice that you've heard. I'll give you peace. I'll take away your pain. Maybe it's my dad. I'll drink it. I'll accept you and give you a family. Doesn't sound like my dad, but maybe it's my dad. I'll try it. It's okay to blow off some steam and lose your temper and get in a fight. That doesn't sound like my dad, but maybe it's my dad. And we follow the voice of a stranger and we end up in pain. And we end up broken and wounded and hurting and addicted. And the voice of our Father is calling. Listen to me. Invest in hearing me. Be a part of something bigger than you. I have a purpose and a plan 
for your life. I've given you talents. I've given you giftings and resources and time. What will you do with it? Who will you help? What sacrifices will you make? Don't just bury it. Let's pray. Hey, Dad. We hear your voice. I love coming together for corporate worship and word and and our time together because I believe it's one of the clearest times in the week that I hear your voice. And it's not because Sunday is a holy day. It's just because it's a day that we've set aside and we've cleared the distractions to hear from you. And we cleared everything out of the way and we're prepared and hours and hours and hours before our time together, we're preparing our hearts and our mind. And I believe that we hear your voice when we're together. We get motivated. God, we want to draw close to you. God, we want to get better at hearing and obeying. Help us to invest. Help us to not just talk, but walk. Not to just declare a thing, but to do it. God, thank you for the talents that you've given us. Now we're going to work. We're going to invest. We're going to act out of faith, not fear. We love you, Dad. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen.